You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's interesting, Paul makes a very interesting observation, and I don't have the scripture um, on the screen, so you'll just have to kind of listen to me as I read it, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians, and um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and and beginning in verse 22, um, Paul says, for indeed Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom, or Gentiles search for wisdom. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. And then he says, because we preach Christ crucified, this message really has three results. And and Paul gives those, and he says, because we preach Christ crucified, he said to the Jews who are looking for a sign, he said, this is a stumbling block. And he said to the Gentiles who are looking for wisdom, he said, this message Christ crucified, he said, it's foolishness. The third response, he says, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, to those who are called this message Christ crucified, he said, it is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. And that's my heart for us as a church. That as we preach Christ crucified, that that would begin to just manifest itself in our presence as the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I just ask for that this morning. Father, I pray that as we preach Christ As we preach Christ crucified and resurrected, Christ alive forevermore, Christ seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. The Father, we pray, Lord, that that message this morning, that God, that would be a message that would accompany itself with power, your power, and with wisdom, your wisdom. God, open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our understanding. Open our ears, God, that we can hear, that we can see what it is the Spirit of God would speak to us today. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, as we have prepared the way through worship this morning, as we have prepared the way to your heart, God, I pray that you would just meet us, that, God, you would just begin to reveal yourself to us in new, in deeper, in fresher ways. So, Father, we come this morning and we choose to decrease in order that you might increase in power, in presence, in wisdom before us this morning. And we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. Some time ago, some of you may remember Jeff Faust. Jeff and Natalie were missionaries 
uh, that we supported for a number of years. They were doing a ministry down there in Kansas City, in the inner city of Kansas City. And we were kind of helping them as they were renovating that house they bought in that inner city, that house that was, you know, basically uh, a drug house at one time. And, and Jeff and Natalie really felt a call of God to go and to minister among the people there. And so we were supporting them financially. We did things that, that, uh, to try to help them uh, renovate the house to make it livable, to give them a ministry base uh, from which to do their ministry there in Kansas City. And um, there was a time, uh, I think it was maybe the last time uh, Jeff and Natalie were here and they were kind of just sharing a little bit about their ministry. Jeff had shared with me a dream that he had had. And he told me in the dream that, that he and I were both on the platform at the same time here in this church. And he said, you were preaching and he said, I was up there, and he said, I was just giving prophetic words over people in the congregation. And that was kind of the gist of the dream. So since it was his dream, I kind of asked Jeff, I said, well, do you feel that this was like literal, or do you feel like it represented something? Did you represent something or someone uh, in the dream? And not many people knew it at that time. But Jeff and Natalie were in the process of transitioning out of their current ministry setting and into a church setting. And, and Jeff is at the Vineyard Church in Overland Park, Kansas uh, right now. And so I didn't know if through that dream, if God was saying to me that, that Jeff was going to come on staff um, at some point. Um, and, and so I was just kind of asking him, how do you feel God was speaking to you through the dream? Well, he didn't think that it was a literal dream in the sense that he was feeling called to come here. And so I just kind of kept the dream uh, that he had. And I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And, and every so often I would kind of just think about, you know, that dream, the, the meaning. How was God wanting to use that? Not just in my life, but in the life of the congregation. <coughs> You farmers are kicking up a lot of dust out there. It's good. Several months ago, Mary Hermanson uh, had emailed a group of us here at the church about some conferences that were being offered. And one of the topics of the conference that was being offered was on cultivating a prophetic ministry in the local church. And when I saw the email and I kind of went to the link and I kind of looked at what the conference was uh, talking about, I just immediately felt this just compelling in my spirit that I needed to go to this. And so, you know, it was like an eight-day conference. and I was just like, you know, eight days away from the church and from my family and it just really wasn't, that was the only thing that really wasn't exciting me about this conference. Everything else had go written all over it. But the eight days, I just kind of kept thinking, oh, that is just such a long time to be gone. So several weeks ago, uh, along with myself, Jim and Mary and I, we attended this conference. Now, 
I've always been somewhat intrigued by the Apostle Paul's teaching on the gift of the prophetic in 1 Corinthians 14. If you've never read that, it is just an interesting chapter to read because Paul spends really a whole chapter talking about this spiritual gift. Um, and he really kind of talks about how it really is um, kind of one of the supreme prophetic gifts over all of the other prophetic gifts in there. And so he starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, and he says, Desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So Paul places this emphasis on the gift of prophecy over all of the other spiritual gifts mentioned. Now that's not to say that the other spiritual gifts are not important. They are. But Paul is saying there is something about this particular gift that we, the body of Christ, really need to excel in using. So there's always kind of been, in the back of my mind, this desire and this yearning to really kind of understand more and more fully the role and the use of the prophetic spiritual gift in the local church. And so that's a little bit of the background that kind of took me and really kind of stirred within me this desire to go to this particular conference. So I get to the conference, which starts on a Saturday morning, and it's not until Tuesday morning that we actually get to the content of the conference that I was really there to kind of hear and to learn more about. Now, I'm not going to belabor this too much, but as I look back on it, everything that they were doing in this conference was really leading up to, and it was setting the foundation for what God was about to do, where I just don't think if I would have had that on the front end of that, I just don't think it would have had the impact it did on me. And so, you know, uh, everything leading up to Tuesday morning was really designed to kind of get us ready uh, for where we were going on Tuesday morning. Again, I didn't fully understand that at the time, so I was getting a little impatient. You know, it's like, come on, let's just get this going. Um, so Tuesday morning rolls around, we go into the conference room, and we're given a handout on the material that we're going to cover on cultivating. This is, this is like, I'm just thinking, this is such a big topic cultivating the prophetic ministry in the local church. So I'm, I'm going down there. I've got big, big expectations. Okay, I, I mean, I'm just thinking, this is just going to rock my world. Okay, and before I go any further, let me just say this. I'm not bragging about it. As a matter of fact, I'm still paying for some of this, so I'm not really thrilled about this. I have a bachelor's degree in elementary education. I have a master's degree in divinity. That's what I'm still paying for, and I don't use any of that. I've attended many conferences over the years um, of my pastoral career, and, and I've taken lots of conferences on educational things. And so I really had a mindset going into this particular conference, done conferences a lot. So I kind of, you know, have a mindset, kind of an expectation of what I'm going to get when I go into a conference. As a matter of fact, I've taken, you know, several courses um, from this place in Kansas City um, and so uh, where this conference was being done. Now, several years ago, I did a course from them and it was on the excellencies of Christ. And 
This is the book that went with it. I think it's like 376 pages, you know, and the author admits he doesn't even really scratch the surface. But again, you know, this is, this is a pretty big book because this is an important topic. It deserves a big book. Okay, so I'm thinking this is good. Also did a course there on the attributes and the characteristics, the existence of God. And this was one of the textbooks we used. 575 pages on the existence, the attributes, the characters of God. As you would expect, he's infinite. This doesn't even scratch the surface. Pastor Mark, Jim, and I, we took that course. And all three of us, we got a copy of this book. None of us understand most of what is written in the book. Because the guy that wrote the book wrote it back in 1853 when I think all there was to do at that time was to write big books. Not to mention the guy's like super smart. And I'm not trying to be funny here, but let me just give you a sample from the book. He writes, mere rational nature could never conclude that so excellent a spirit would be put off with a mere animal service an attendance of matter and body without spirit, when they themselves, an inferior nature, would be loth to sit down and contend with an outside service from those that belong to them, so that this instruction of our Savior, that God is to be worshipped in spirit and truth, is conformable to the sentiments of nature and drawn from the most undeniable principle of it. Okay, that's one sentence! And that's one of the shorter sentences in the book. The book is full of sentences like that. Okay, I grew up, see Bob, see Jane, see Bob and Jane, see Bob and Jane run. I'm reading a book like this and I'm kind of, I get to the end of the sentence. I forgot what the beginning part of the sentence said. The only reason that we have these books in our office is to make us look smart. As a matter of fact, if you understood that sentence, you can have the book. Jim and Mark, they'll try to sell you theirs, but I'm just gonna give you mine. Again, my point, lest it be lost here. I've taken many college courses, educational courses, seminary courses, some from this very place I was. So I went into this conference with an expectation based upon past classes, conferences. I walk in to this class on Tuesday morning ready to be enthralled on the topic of cultivating a prophetic ministry in the local church. Do you want to see what they handed me when I walked into that conference? Four pages. Eight, if you count them front to back. I took this. I flipped through it. I went back. I sat down at my seat, looking at this. The only word that came to mind was refund. <laughs> I want my money back. 
If the Apostle Paul says we're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy, and he takes a whole chapter to explain why, and this is all you got? Apparently, you didn't take the subject very seriously. So I go back to my seat, and I'm looking at the pathetic materials on the prophetic ministry. And folks, I don't even get past the first two words on the top of page one. For the rest of the conference, the rest of the week, I stayed on those two words. God really would not allow me to go any further than those two words. Pursue love. As a matter of fact, those two words had such a profound impact that if you were to look at my sheet, I circled them. Here's how Paul starts off 1 Corinthians 14, 1, as he begins to talk about, again, that superior gift of prophecy. He says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. As I'm sitting there looking at those two words, it just dawned on me. I was there to pursue prophecy when I needed to be pursuing love first and foremost. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been very effective in using any of the spiritual gifts for this very reason. Because I haven't been pursuing love. And the way I read this, the two go hand in hand. It is pursue love and at the same time earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's not one or the other. It's the two go together. They're in tandem. They're hand in hand. You pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. As a matter of fact, and some of you know this just from your own experience, but I'm just going to validate it. If you try functioning in any of the spiritual gifts and you're not pursuing love at the same time, it will fail. As a matter of fact, if you just put it in reverse and just back up out of chapter 14 into chapter 13, Paul gives a whole chapter leading up to chapter 14. And he says, let me kind of show you what spiritual gifts look like when you're not pursuing love. Verse 1, he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but he said, I do not have agape, which is the word love in the Greek, and that is God's love. He said, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul's basically saying, you know, you can go and you can preach to the lost, but if you don't have God's love, agape, he says, your words, they're just going to sound like a noisy gong, like just banging on a cymbal head to the lost. If what you're trying to say is not seasoned, if it's not marinated in God's love, 
you will be like someone just beating a pan with a metal spoon. You can be saying all of the right words. But if you're not loving God and loving people, pursuing love, you'll sound like fingernails just running down a chalkboard. Verse 2, Paul says, if you have the gift of prophecy, which is, I was there for that. That's what I wanted. I wanted to learn how to be more effective in that gift of prophecy. He says, you can know all mysteries. You can have all knowledge. And if I have all faith, he said, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love. He says, I'm nothing. So you can have the spiritual gift of prophecy, which is, again, as Jim said, it is that ability to exhort, to edify, or to comfort but you do that without love, without God's love, folks, it'll be nothing. It'll just fall on deaf ears. And the problem was, and what I came face to face with, the reality for me sitting there in that conference was, I wanted to pursue the spiritual gift of prophecy apart from in place of pursuing love. And I just came to discover my pursuit, my focus was all on the wrong thing. Nothing will ever come of that. No matter how exhorting or edifying or comforting I am in my words, without pursuing love, without loving, I will just become arrogant, boastful, and proud. Sadly, I've been there. I've done that. And this is what will happen to any of us if we're trying to pursue any of the spiritual gifts and ignore or minimize pursuing love. Paul affirms this in 1 Corinthians 8, 1. He says, knowledge makes arrogant. Love edifies. When you combine the gift of prophecy or any of the spiritual gifts with love and in pursuing love, it will naturally there's just a spirit flow where it will edify, it will encourage, and it will comfort others because that is what prophecy does when it is combined with and in tandem with pursuing agape love. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, but he who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is what prophecy does. But apart from pursuing love, Paul says it will come to nothing. Verse 3, and I can give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have agape, if I'm not pursuing love, Paul says it profits me nothing. So you can be the most generous person in the world, but if you are sacrificially giving, but you are not growing and pursuing love towards others, towards God, towards yourself, it amounts to nothing. The truth is, when you earnestly desire spiritual gifts apart from pursuing love, most of the time, it is more about you and less about other people and less about God. We can desire to operate in spiritual gifts because, again, oftentimes people, they just want to make a name for themselves. They're trying to make a reputation for their ministry. We just want other people to recognize us. Wow, they're awesome. 
Wow, they're powerful. Wow, God really uses them. Jesus says, when that is your motive, so basically, you kind of got your reward in full. That's not what they're for. And the reason a lot of Christians don't excel in their spiritual gifts is because we are not pursuing love at the same time. And the truth is, God confronted me with that there in that conference a couple of weeks ago. And it may be a truth God wants to just speak into your heart here this morning. So what does pursuing agape love look like? Jesus said in John 15, 9, and I just want this to wash over some of you this morning, all of us actually, but maybe some of you who have never heard this before, just check your neighbor, make sure they're awake. If they've fallen asleep, nudge them because I'm about ready to say something really big here. And I want everybody to hear this. Are you awake, Jim? He's good. All right. But as the Father, this is Jesus speaking. As the Father has loved me, agape, or it's actually agapo, but it's, it's a derivative of agape. So as the Father has loved me, I have loved you also. That's big. That's huge. That is not something we just gloss over, read, and move on from. You got to stop and you got to just let that sink into your heart. You got to just stop there and you got to realize the Father loves you with the same kind, with the same amount, the same quality, whatever you want to call it, kind of love that he loved Jesus with. The Father doesn't love Jesus with this kind of a love and you a different kind of love. It's the same love that the Father has for Jesus. Jesus says, it is the same love he has for you and it's the same love I have for you. So he goes on there and he says, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved also you. Abide in my agapo, agape. Abide in my love. Then a verses, couple of verses later, verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then a couple of chapters later, John 17, verse 26, Jesus says, I have made known your name to them, and he's speaking of the Father. I've made the Father's name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me, Father, may be in them and I in them. So again, the love the Father has for Jesus is the same love Jesus has for you and I, and we are to love one another with that same love. That is pursuing love. First, you've got to recognize what it is. This is, this is like huge kind of love. This is the love that's really, I mean, you should almost kind of just feel like, I can't quite wrap my mind around that. I can't. The love that is shared between the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, is the same love they have for you and I. And Jesus says, abide in this. Just kind of camp out in this. 
just stay in this and let me just reveal it. Let me just bring you to a place where you can begin to experience a taste of my love for you. This is the love we are to pursue alongside spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. This is not a suggestion, folks. This is not optional. This isn't an add-on to the Christian faith that we can take or leave. Jesus commands us. He said, abide in and pursue this kind of love if you're going to be one of my followers. So that's why to the, to the Jews, this was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, this was foolishness. If you're here this morning and you hear this and this is just foolishness to you or this is a stumbling block, it's offensive to you, you need to get born again. You need to get saved. Because Paul said to the call to the believers, this is the power of God. This is wisdom. Matter of fact, Jesus said this would be the evidence that other people would look at and they would say they are disciples of Jesus. In John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another by this. By what? What he just said. By this kind of love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have agape for one another. So what does this kind of agape love look like? How do, we, how do we pursue living that out toward one another? What are we called to abide in and to pursue while we're earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy? First Corinthians, beginning in verse 4, Paul just says, let me just give you an introduction. I'm going to give you a beginning to the introduction into the agape love of God. And he says, agape love, God's love is patient. It is kind. It is not jealous. God's love doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Agape love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Agape love does not rejoice about injustice, but rather God's love rejoices when truth wins out. God's love never gives up. We sang about that this morning. That's biblical. God's love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Again, this is a glimpse. This is kind of just a foretaste of what the love of God is like that we're called to pursue, that we're called to love one another with. It's that love that the Father expresses towards you and I. It is the love that Jesus expresses towards you and I. And it is the kind of love, again, that we are commanded that we would just love one another with that same kind of love. I love 1 Corinthians 3, 8. It says, agape love never fails. He says prophecy, you know that, that gift he talked about there in 1 Corinthians 14, the one that we're to earnestly desire. He said love never fails, but prophecy, 
and, and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge along with all of the other spiritual gifts, Paul says one day they will become useless and that we're not going to need them anymore. They will have served their purpose. He says, but agape love will last forever. Three things, he said, will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is agape love. That's why if you're earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, and we need to. Every born-again believer, we need to be earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. Especially that we might prophesy. But apart from pursuing agape love, it will amount to nothing. Because prophecy one day, folks, Paul says, it's coming to an end. It's not going to be necessary There'll be no more need for it, but love will always exist. It will never fail, and it lasts forever. Do you see why those two words, pursue love, stopped me in my tracks? I desired the one. without pursuing the other. And when we do that, it will never go anywhere. It will never amount to anything. If you earnestly desire the spiritual gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and revelation, apart from pursuing agape love, all it will produce is an arrogant, prideful, boastful, rude jerk. And I know that because I've seen that guy in the mirror a time or two. Someone who knows a lot about the Bible, but loves very little, is not very pleasant to be around. Here's a beautiful part about pursuing agape love, is that it's infinite. There are no boundaries there's, there's no depth, there's no width, there's no length, there's no height that can capture or encapsulate agape love. The description that Paul's giving there in 1 Corinthians 13, as I said, it's just an opening introduction It's just enough to kind of whet your appetite, enough to just kind of make you, I want to know more about that. I want to understand more about that love. I want to experience that love in my own life. And that's why Jesus says, if you'll just abide in what you have, more will be given to you. If you'll just begin to just rest in what you know, in what you have, in what you've experienced, in the love of God, more will be given. And that's why he says, just abide in this. Listen to how the Apostle Paul put it in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 16. He said, I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited, meaning there's no end, resources, he will empower you with inner strength through your spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. That's abiding. 
That's he in you, you in him. That's what the abiding is. And he said that he'll abide in him as you trust him. He says your roots, now get this, your roots will grow down. See, some of you, you got roots. They just need to be driven down. They, we just need God to take us deeper. And that's what he says. And he says, your roots will go down into God's agape love and it will keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his agape love is. He says, may you experience. That's what I want to do. I want to experience. I want a taste of this. The agape love of Christ, he says, though it is too great to fully understand Remember I said you want to try to wrap your mind around it, but you can't. Paul says it's just, it, it, there's just too much to it. He said, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's just by abiding in his agape love. That's why this is so important. As we just set our gaze upon him. As we just position our hearts before his heart. As we just pursue and abide in his love, again, he'll just reveal more and more regarding the width, the length, the height, the depth of his agape love towards us. God longs to fill us with this. He longs to show us this, for us to experience this. So that out of that overflow, as God pours in, out of the overflow, you begin to love him back with the love that he's poured into you. And out of that overflow, you just begin to love other people. Not with the love you've manufactured, but with the love you've received from the Father. The same kind of love the Father loves the Son with. And as you just begin to receive and just allow God to pour that into you, out of that overflow, you just begin to love God and you begin to love others supernaturally. And there's just something beautiful about that. And it'll be a sign to others. Wow. Not that that's what we're after, but it'll just be a sign to others. Wow, those are people who know and love Jesus. Now to me, folks, that's a love worth abiding in and pursuing. When we are pursuing the love of the Father alongside, again, in tandem with earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy, we will experience more and more of his power and his presence in our lives and in the life of the church. That dream I shared with you at the very beginning, that one that Jeff Faust had shared with me, I believe that as you and I pursue agape love and we just begin to express that love back to the, to the Godhead and to one another, the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, will begin to abundantly flow from this platform alongside the anointing preaching of the word. As we pursue the love of the Father and the Son, as we just receive God's love toward us and express that to one another, we're going to see healings. Physical healings are going to manifest. We will see deliverance. We will, we're going to witness signs, miracles, wonders, and all of the spiritual gifts 
manifesting because we have chosen. This is a choice. We have chosen to set our hearts upon him. We have chosen to pursue love alongside in tandem with the spiritual gifts. Mostly that we would prophesy. That is my heart's cry. That is my vision, my desire. I want to see God's power manifest in my life, in your life, in the life of this church, in Christ's body. And here's where I want to leave our hearts this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, and it says this, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord cause you to increase. I can't do this for you. If I would, I could. I cannot do this for you. Now may God and our Father himself and Jesus our Lord cause you to increase and abound in agape love one for another and for all people just as we also do for you so that he, God, may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Wow. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm after. That is my heart's pursuit. That is my desire. And I just wonder if there's anybody else in here this morning that would say, I want that too. I want to pursue love. I desire spiritual gifts. I desire especially that we may prophesy. And maybe for some of you this morning, you just have never ever excelled in spiritual gifts because maybe your pursuit has been about the spiritual gifts when like me, it really needed to be about pursuing love. Because the thing is, is if God caused all the spiritual gifts in your life to operate fully and you're not pursuing love, a lot of times what it does, it just makes us arrogant, boastful, prideful people. And that's not good. That's not God-like. That's not what he's after. So my invitation for you this morning, and please don't, don't, if I'm the only one standing here this morning, I'm good with that. I really am. I'm okay with that. Because it's got to start somewhere. But I'm asking, this is my prayer. God, my heavenly Father, and, and Jesus, would you cause an increase and abounding in me in agape love for one another, for all people and God, that one of the byproducts, and I love this, is that you're going to establish my heart without blame in holiness before you. And I want that this morning. So I was going to invite you, if that is, I'm going to pray for you this morning. If that is your heart, your desires, I'm just going to invite you just to stand where you are. Worship team, come back up. Father, you see our hearts this morning. God, you know our desires. Nothing is hidden from you. Our hearts are just open before you this morning. And Father, we just, again, we come to you this morning. And God, I don't want this message to be a stumbling block or a message of foolishness to anyone here this morning. 
But God, I would ask, Lord, for those of us who are called, who are believers, who are your children, your sons and your daughters, Father, I pray that this would just become the power of God, the wisdom of God in our lives this morning, that we would pursue love. And so, Father, I just ask, Lord, as according to your scripture, that, Father, you would just cause us to increase and to abound in agape love for one another, for all people everywhere just as we also do for you. And Father, I ask, Lord, that you would just establish every heart here this morning as we pursue love, as you increase and abound that love within us, that you would establish our hearts before you without blame in holiness, in righteousness this morning. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you have begun, or maybe you're just continuing a work of that here this morning. I pray, Father, that you would perfect that until the day of Christ Jesus. So, Father, we receive, and Father, we now abide. We rest in that. We thank you for that. Because, God, this is a work that you promised. It is a work only you can do. And, God, we're asking you to come and to do that work of pursuing, increasing, and abounding your love in us. And we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.